Welcome back to another exciting episode of Catch-Ups in My Kitchen. I'm Georgia, founder of Greedy Vegan and host of the podcast. This week we are jumping into the world of chocolate with Wilf from Ireland's Chocolate, where they not only produce delicious chocolate, vegan chocolate and vegan chocolate spread, but they have their own cocoa farm in St Vincent's in the Caribbean. Wilf and I talk about what goes on behind the scenes of the creation of chocolate. We all see the delicious indulgent bars on shop shelves, but what we don't see is the deforestation, child labour and unethical practices that occur. Wilf shares industry secrets whilst also sharing the island's journey in this episode. Wilf Marriott has gone from cricket to chocolatier with his love for the art of crafting delicious chocolate with conscience. Not only do Wilf and the Ireland team create delicious products for us all to enjoy, but they have changed the lives of people in St. Vincent. And Wilf shares all of this and more in this episode. So Wilf, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really intrigued and excited to hear all about Ireland. So thank you so much for coming. Great, no worries. I'm looking forward to chatting to you. So to start off with, do you mind giving us a little elevator pitch on who you are and what you do? Okay, okay. Um, pressure's on now. Yeah. Uh, my name's Wilf Marriott, founder of Islands Chocolate, and uh, we are a chocolate company that grows cocoa on our family farms in St. Vincent, um, and also has partner farms in the Dominican Republic, and we ship that cocoa, and we have it made uh, with our um, partners in Belgium, and that is then um, made into different forms of chocolate. We also have a, a chocolate spread as well, and that is sent to, well, sold to a variety of, of people around around the UK mainly. Um, restaurants, hotels, bakeries, um, a few people overseas as well. Um, so we're, in our eyes, <clears throat> the, the one of the first chocolate companies to manage the whole process right from the, the seed all the way through to the chocolate so um we know exactly where everything's come from which i think is really important yeah i love that i think there's a real art to it and i'm really excited to hear more about the whole process because i think it's really rare to be able to have complete visibility over every mm-hmm. single process of the business so yeah i'm excited to get into that in a bit more detail in a minute but before we do we have a quick fire round all about food because this podcast is all about food okay. so Oh, you didn't warn me about this one. <laughs> <laughs> right, sweet or savoury? Ooh, sweet. Juicy burger or overloaded salad? Juicy burger. Crisps or popcorn? Crisps, every day. <laughs> Ice cream or sorbet? Oh, God. Uh, probably sorbet. I'll go for the healthy option, even though it's probably not that healthy, is it? It feels fresher, I guess. Yeah. It feels not as heavy. Cook in or eat out? Cook in. And what's your favourite delivery? Ooh. I've been having a lot of dishoom recently, but I'm now I've got a bit got a bit sick of it. Hopefully, there's no listeners. No, that run on this. I mean, um, but pizza's a safe option. But I'd probably have to say like a curry, some yeah. a form of a curry. Um, it's comforting, isn't it? And comforting, it's... filling. Um, you often don't feel great afterwards, but the pleasure at that point in time is is normally great. Yeah, that's a good one. I actually haven't had dishoom in ages, but it is a good one. But mm. so I want to kind of start at the beginning. 
and with what you were kind of doing before Islands and mm. what the pivotal moment was that made you start Islands? Um, so growing up, I was basically playing a lot of cricket um, and aimed to be a professional cricketer, um, which didn't quite work out. Um, I played for Hampshire, played for England schoolboys, and that was like my dream. I was, you know, Wilf the cricketer um, to, to my friends and family. Um, and then it came a time where, I, you know, I fell out of love with it. Um, you know, when you start competing against your teammates for, for places and you get paid a bit of money, it just takes that, that fun out of it. So mm. uh, that finished when I was about 21. Um, basically dropped out after after uni. I said, right, that's not something I want to want to pursue. So I wanted something that, I don't know, had, had the fun um that that cricket had and i wanted to kind of be be my own boss as it were um so um at that point in time when i stopped playing cricket um dad had got involved in in a cocoa business in in saint vincent um i thought right this is a perfect opportunity to go and get some work experience go out to the farms and potentially um see if i wanted to go into that um so i went to malaysia I went to the Philippines. Um, where else did I go? Yeah, Philippines, Malaysia. Went to Saint Vincent and just fell in love with, with cocoa, with the people, with how intricate the, the kind of cocoa supply chain is. And so, it was really ticking all, all the boxes for, for me. So it wasn't something like I was growing up and all I wanted to do was be a chocolatier. That that wasn't it. But. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that that was that really, and um, tell me if I'm banging on here. No, no, this is really interesting. <laughs> and then basically pitched in to be the, the head salesman for the cocoa company that Dad was running. Um, thankfully, he said yes, and basically started selling cocoa to other chocolatiers around Europe, especially, and then also America. And you know that was going well for a year. And then kind of seemed weird that the chocolate that those chocolatiers were making was so, so good. Why were we selling our cocoa to other chocolatiers to then go and make the chocolate? It's almost like, I don't know, a, a vineyard in Bordeaux. Are they going to go and sell their grapes to another maker to go make into a bottle of wine? No, they're going to do it themselves. So yeah. that was the kind of the main theme around starting islands and we started making chocolate in St. Vincent um, for the locals to see if it worked and it was you know it was really successful there which was great and then pitched in the idea of islands um, in 2017 2018 and got it going amazing and yeah and I'll flash forward what is it four and a half years yeah and here we are incredible so yeah. Why St. Vincent out of, like, what's the beauty of that location? Good question. Um, number one, it's Caribbean. You know, mm -hmm. you're away from the grey, rainy UK. I mean, yeah. that's got to be number one on the list. Two, you know, St. Vincent in terms of the, the soil health and the kind of uh, how much it rains each year and the, the sun, um, the amount of sun there is each day. Um, perfect, perfect growing conditions for cocoa. And there was no cocoa um, being grown on the island, really. There's a few kind of farms with trees that are 50, 60 years old, but nothing that's well established. And 
there's a lot of agricultural well there was a lot of agricultural land that was used for bananas back in the 70s and that's since has stopped so plenty of amazing agricultural land perfect for growing cocoa it seemed like a, a no-brainer mm. um so you know it's 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 tough when you go out there. It's really tough to grow cocoa. I know that from being in St. Vincent a lot, from being in Malaysia, being in the Philippines. So um, it's not, you know, utopia Caribbean where you're on a, on a white sandy beach with turquoise seas. But yeah, um, yeah the people there are, are great as well. Really sweet, um, driven um, and really want to create something that's kind of Vincentian. You mm-hmm. know, it's a, it's a tiny island in the Caribbean. Having something that is grown from their soils and transformed into chocolate mm. um, and everyone loving it makes them really, really proud. And there's, there's 150 people on, on the island that we employ directly. So wow. um, that's that's a big driver for us especially d- dad and i um you know supporting people out there is 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 what gets us out of bed in the morning definitely and what's the communication like between st vincent and like kind of head office in london like mm. how does that kind of work in terms of who you, where you who you employ here mm. and then those guys out there like is there a link is there a connection is there like a does it feel like a family like what's the connection like it feels like family Definitely. I mean, you know, the cocoa's been going over 10 years now. Um, dad and I, especially dad, is visiting all the time. He's he's the chairman of the business. Mm-hmm. We've got a fantastic management team set up there now. We've got Aidan, um, the, the managing director. Um, we've got Chris, um, who's kind of the farm director. And so we've got a great family over there, people that are very, very passionate about what they do, which is great. You, you couldn't grow cocoa. Um, without being really, really passionate about it, because it is tough. Mm. Um, but you know, let's not fool ourselves. It has taken a while to get that, mm. you know, right uh, management team um, for people that are really invested in the company. It's and it's just, I guess it's the same here in in the, in the UK. Um, finding the right people is is really, really important um, because I guess we're the selling arm to the overall business mm. um which is you know without both you know both are really intrinsically linked um but yeah hope that answered your yeah question. no definitely so the usp of islands i'm guessing is obviously it's seed to bar what what does that mean what does that mean <laughs> exactly and what does that mean and what do other brands do if if that's so special mm. well we're actually having a little bit of a, a rethink with our, with our kind of marketing about seed to bar because it is quite I don't know, um, not exclusive, but if you weren't, if you didn't know about cocoa, you'd probably think, what, what is that about? So yeah, like what, where are the seeds in this bar? Kind of yeah, thing? like yeah, exactly, exactly. But okay, long and short of it, most ninety nine point nine percent of all other um, chocolate companies will buy cocoa from a trader, from questionable sources, um, mainly from Africa. Um, all of that cocoa will be. Um, well be many different varieties many different farmers they won't know from which farmer because it's it's not going to be able to be fully traceable right when that's when that cocoa is harvested those farmers will have to be fermenting those beans probably on the forest floor or like you know on their farm what that means is 
every batch that you get from a farmer um, there's different flavor notes it's it's fermented in a different way some might be fermented well some might be fermented badly and have notes of cheesiness or meatiness you know mm. that's not a good thing no um, fyi that doesn't sound great no no, no <laughs> one wants meaty chocolate um and then it'll come to the factory right and these big you know multinational conglomerates there's only a few of them that make most of the world's chocolate um it'll be put together in a huge pool of cocoa and then it's made into chocolate where is the traceability element where is the ability to be like right that batch who actually grew that right what um joe blogs right how much was he or she paid for growing that cocoa right? are they getting paid enough there, there's there's they're not able to do that because it's such a big scale right mm. on the flip side with us and i don't want this to come across like look at us and be all preachy but we feel the only way to um, run a chocolate and cocoa company that's um, fully sustainable and traceable is by being on the ground. It's it's surely that is the right way to be, right? Because you can you can um, pay people directly, like we do. We've got one hundred and fifty people um, on our books. Um, you've got around 50, 60 farmers. Um, you know exactly how much those people are getting paid. Are they getting paid the minimum or are they getting paid double what the, the government um, advise? Um, so for us, it's, it's the latter, it's, it's double. Um, and then it comes into like the quality of, of the cocoa that they're growing. Are they growing the best flavored varieties of cacao on that specific plot? Because if they're not, those Michelin star chefs that we're selling our chocolate into are not going to be happy mm. um so i guess what you're getting with us is an open book right and there's proof you can go into every single part of our business and you can get the answers straight mm. away and hopefully that will um you know mean that you guys can trust us right customers clients you know people eating our chocolate whereas with other companies um they're not going to know where it's come from they're just not as much as they say they will be able to they're just yeah. not going to be able to um and i'm guessing if it all goes into this big kind of pool of chocolate which sounds quite heavenly actually mm. but i'm sure it's not um <laughs> if it goes into this pool of chocolate they can then just add things for example they're like oh that doesn't really taste right for some unknown reason which is unknown because they have no traceability mm. they'll be like oh let's just add bit more sugar a bit more is that what kind of what would happen they just kind of add 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 until they get the desired taste when actually is actually the issue is at the source rather than at that point in the process well i think it's not just about source that is like right the sustainability angle at source is really important getting the right people the right varieties but just like if i can see you've got a nice coffee maker over there if if you get buy really really nice beans the best in the world and you over roast them it's going to be a rubbish cup of coffee so mm. it's the same with the the chocolate making yeah um so in answer to your question yes that's what they'll do they'll you know the cocoa beans a lot of them will probably be moldy they'll come from a variety of sources um that cocoa will then have to be steamed i.e killing all the bacteria before it comes into the factory um 
it will then be ground down and probably roasted. This is other chocolate companies, by the way, just mm. in case. <laughs> um, it'd be roasted to a really, really high level so you get that consistency of flavour. Because what I mentioned before, you're not going to have the consistency because it's various different people have have contributed to that batch, as it were. Mm. Um, and then a lot of them will add a lot of cocoa butter um which is that creaminess that you you'll get from from i guess mass market chocolate and well-made chocolate as well but you know extra sugar there'll be palm oil which is not good either Mm. there'll be lots of lecithin vanilla just hiding those off notes um so yeah on the flip side with us it's limited roasting it's limited grinding because we know the flavors are great we don't want to over process it we want it to be natural Mm. um because you know chocolate's a fruit so the fruity notes should come through in our chocolate hopefully when if we do a tasting at some point Mm. you know you'll taste those fruity notes of banana of maybe citrus fruits or some rum that's what you should be tasting if it's actually been if it's been made properly no definitely yeah it's just trying to to better every stage of the process which is luckily fortunately what we can do because we're in control of it Mm. if you're not in control um then yeah it's gonna be tricky so why don't these bigger companies do it the way you do it is it cost is it maybe i don't know laziness is it Mm. what is it that they why aren't they doing it that's a question um, I'm always asking myself why mm. not um, it's really time consuming it's more expensive you know um, the cocoa that we're buying from Dominican Republic with our partner is over double the world price our cocoa from St Vincent is three and a half times the world price you know and they're currently selling most of their products at x pounds right say a, a um, a bar of one of those standard chocolate companies in in uh, in Waitrose or um, Tesco's would probably be be two pounds. It's going to be very difficult for them to to nudge that price up, um, especially because most people don't know about these issues. It's still relatively in the dark. I think chocolate is way behind coffee. Ten ten years, fifteen years behind coffee. Mm. You wouldn't think of going to one of your independent coffee shops when you're walking around London and them not know where their beans have come from. Um, with chocolate, it's not the case. Yeah, they, they don't know. You can say Ghana, but we know Ghana's bloody big. So yeah. Um, so I don't know why, well, I do know why they don't do it. It's mainly because it's really difficult and yeah. it's a lot easier to buy cocoa on the world market at half the price and then not have the responsibility um, with the stuff that's really hard. Yeah, it's really interesting because as consumers, we just see these lovely, delicious bars wrapped up in beautiful packaging, mm. kind of like tempting us on the shelves. Mm. We don't get to see all of the stuff that goes on behind. And I feel like it's a bit of a, I mean, every industry's got that darker side, but I feel mm. like there is definitely that kind of behind closed doors, so many things happen that consumers just don't see. Is that kind of true? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the problem we have is, is you look at a bar of chocolate and if it's well made which most of the producers are doing it all looks the same it 
hides many truths underneath, right? Um, it's about getting people to care. A lot of people won't. People, some people just, you know, come on, mate, it's just a, just a bar of chocolate. Um, yeah. But there are a lot of people out there who do care. You know, there's a lot of bad stuff that's going on in the industry, um, stuff that is shocking, really. If most of us knew, um, we think differently about how we purchase our chocolate. Yeah. yeah. Are you allowed to share any of the shocking things that do go on well top line facts you know and it's not something that i've directly experienced mm. right but there's two and a half million children still in child labor in africa farming cocoa That's crazy. over about two million slaves in in africa farming cocoa um i think there's about four percent of ivory coasts rainforest that's still around today 96 percent has been destroyed due to like being able to plant cocoa so um mass deforestation um within that obviously you're affecting many animals and ecosystems and god knows what it's it's shocking um but so those are the top line facts which which are bad but for us it's kind of oh it seems you know one step away a lot of people would be like oh god you know what you know, oh, I don't really want to know about that, but mm. by buying mass market chocolate, you one is contributing to that. Unfortunately, um, that's the reality, and that's something that I think all of us need to think about um, a bit more. Well, a lot more, um, and I think a lot of it is down to the big chocolate companies, but a lot of it comes down to the, the governments at source as well, because you. Uh, you know the price of cocoa is set at a certain level that level is not sustainable for a, a poor farmer in africa with five acres um yeah they're not going to be able to buy organic um fertilizer because they don't make enough money from their cocoa and because they don't make enough money from their cocoa they also can't hire adults to farm their cocoa they'll have to bring their children in yeah oh, so, it's crazy yeah. it really is crazy and so as consumers when we're like looking and we we're kind of like impulsively buying a bar of chocolate mm. we're kind of thinking oh we're going to treat ourselves. and what what's, what what's your favorite chocolate put you on oh, the spot okay i'd probably i'm probably going to say something like well actually Apart from islands, obviously. islands are incredible so that's top number one number two actually i'm going to do a little um, plug now for one of the brands on Greedy Vegan and she's called Diana and mm. Diana's chocolate is very very good so that's very small um, and again I like supporting her mm-hmm. and I'm a bit of a fan of green and blacks mm-hmm. that's a good one I, I am vegan so it's kind of like the vegan chocolate route mm-hmm. um, yeah they're probably my, hip is another one mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. um, yeah they're probably my top top ones okay. hi guys just a quick one on the topic of chocolate which I am loving discussing I just shared some of my favourite vegan chocolate brands, which obviously includes Islands, but also Diana's Chocolate, which we stock at Greedy Vegan. The flavours we stock are sea salt caramel, roasted almond, peanut and rose, which actually has real rose petals on it. It is delicious and all handmade. Please check it out if you're looking for a great vegan chocolate brand. But how do you kind of communicate to consumers about what you're doing because when all the bars are kind of on the shelf it must be a really big challenge for you guys to be like hello look at us we are actually doing xyz but Mm. how do you kind of communicate that 
Um, I wish I, I knew like the exact answer for that and how to do it best because admittedly we're still trying to work that out. We're going through a, a rebrand phase at the moment to really be honest with ourselves about what people want to hear, um, what we can tell them, um, and also to sift out the stuff that we love talking about because we're cocoa nerds and chocolate nerds, but mm. actually most people want to read on a page on the website instead of on front of pack. Um, so customer, customer um, questionnaires, dealing with people um, or speaking with people in the industry that have done it before. We did a focus group, I think Phoebe in, uh, in the office, she did a focus group with about 15 different people mm. throughout three days. So she was on Zoom pretty much for three days, which was quite tough for her, but just yeah. getting, getting people's thoughts on our current brand what they thought about our branding, what things they think we should mention differently. Um, but then also, you know, sticking to your guns, like thinking, right, what is the one or the two main things where we're wanting to really push? For us, it's taste. Um, well, it's three things, really. It's taste, it's the cocoa, and it's the conscience. Really. Yeah. That's the three pillars for us. So it's first working out what those three are, which takes a long time and God, we've spent hours and hours debating this, right? And then it's how can you get that across on pack in a succinct way without overloading? Because right, I mean, you can see with this branding here, you know, we did this about two years ago. It's dated, it gets mm. dated quite quickly. There's so many words yeah. trying, well, we're thinking of using icons more, you know, visuals to, to get things across because that's what people yeah people want we've all got short attention spans it is a real challenge i think kind of looking in the industry just generally obviously obbox have communicated really well about you know saving Mm. the the fruit and the veg that aren't that aren't being used and are going to waste so that's a good one i guess it's also i guess it's consumer education like Mm. we all know now about sustainability when it comes to saving the wonky fruit and veg we've got Mm. that message i think we all know about kind of cutting back trying to be more plant-based trying to do that bit we we kind of got that bit and I guess chocolate just gets so overlooked, I think, because mm. it's it's some it's a treat. It's something that people do not know about. Like it's definitely one of those things that people aren't aware of that that still happens. So I think mm. it's trying to create that without being too kind of like preachy. It's a, it's a hard it's it, it is hard. Line, isn't it, it is hard without trying to sound preachy. Mm. Um, I think there's enough people out there that want to hear it. Right. Yeah. There's some people that aren't, that, sorry, that don't want to hear, and that, and that's fine. You know, I'm not here to make every single person on the planet buy islands because I know that's very, very unrealistic. But you've just got to stick true to your values. You've got to keep knocking on the door, hammering on the. I don't know what that saying is, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we'll make a breakthrough like they have done in coffee. You yeah, know, you've got amazing um, producers like Union. Their direct trade is is something we we aspire to. You know, they've got many different origins. We've only got a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been amazing in coffee, and then and there's many others that are really pioneering other industries. So yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's difficult. I was trying to sound sound yeah. preachy. And all of your chocolate, I believe, is vegan, isn't it? Yeah, apart from the milk chocolate. Apart from the milk chocolate, yeah. was that an act? Was that a kind of like an active decision and why was that decision made yes it was an active decision mainly because you can taste the quality of our cocoa 
um, when you're tasting our dark chocolate, right? So that was the our core range. Like, let's show people that dark chocolate um, is not only a little bit better for you because it's not full of all that other rubbish. Um, it can taste really, really good. Um, it doesn't need to just have that standard cocoa powder flavor that is, you know, in all the industrial chocolate. There are subtle nuances of flavor like there is when you have a lovely bottle of Bordeaux or, you know, I don't know, I'm not, um, I don't know too much about wine, so that's about it, but there's different flavors of banana, different flavors of citrus, depending on your palate, you know, mm. you may eat, you know, completely different things than I do therefore you will pick up on different flavors so it's, it's all subjective and yeah. um it lets our cocoa sing at the end of the day that's that's our showpiece and hopefully you'll be able to taste that but i guess as time goes on one understands that milk chocolate is probably um more commercial that's where the, the volume comes from that's what we're all <clears throat> that's what we've all been used to eating growing up you know you've got this salted caramels you've got the mints you've got those sorts of flavors so yeah. once we establish our range um which which we've essentially done then we're going to look into to doing some more other interesting flavors and you know create one with oats so you can have a milk chocolate yeah no definitely yeah. i think the tasting notes is really interesting and it's mm. not something that chocolate really gets known for as mm. much as coffee and wine because i know i remember when i first went to noops hot chocolate mm. and they have all the percentages and all the tasting notes and i was like oh, i love that but and i can definitely taste all oh, there's like fruitiness here citrus there i can really taste it but i guess you wouldn't just when you're having a chocolate bar you wouldn't be like oh i can taste mm. i don't know it's just not considered like, in the same way i think you first of all you've got to as a brand like we are like try and take the, the snobbiness away from it you know it's meant to be fun not exclusive you know i think that's why people might get a little bit put off right the same with wine you know we'll have tasting notes of passion fruit kiwi and um raisin right and if you don't taste that those notes you feel a little bit inadequate right you're like mm. oh shit maybe my palate's not as good um but it's all subjective yeah all subjective at the end of the day as i said like we eat different things like you're going to pick up different notes somebody that eats a lot of curry might get some more spicy notes i don't know so it's yeah. yeah that is that's we find it really interesting you know having lots of different panels tasting our chocolate to see what what people come up with because there's no like that's right and that's wrong mm. I think that's where people get a little bit a little bit nervy maybe yeah no that's so true for being judged so I now want to touch on climate change because we all are aware that the climate is changing, but I would love to hear from kind of your perspective, what you see at St. Vincent's and how it's changed from kind of like 2017 to now and like what has changed. Mm. Good question. I think, you know, the, the farms aren't really established enough and we haven't been going long enough to really be able to properly tell how much impact that there has been from from climate change um one thing's for sure there's the the rainy season seems to be longer um which impacts the the plants um with the disease um obviously standing water creates a lot of a lot of bugs that will, will destroy the coca trees and the drier seasons are, are longer so you know, I mean, that's quite a simple answer, but that's what we've been seeing. 
seeing so far and I think a lot of the different um, pollination um, sides of the, the, the cocoa trees um, seem to be struggling a little bit um, so having to be ultra careful with which varieties of cocoa we're growing to make sure that they are ones that are very compatible and that they pollinate each other um, but yeah well we did have a volcano that erupted not that well, I don't know if that's climate, it's more kind of tectonic. Yeah, plates, but I guess that it? will really affect the pH of the soil. And then how will that affect the chocolate? Yeah, um, well, it disrupted our, um, the, the yield for a good six months. Luckily, we've, we've come back now, um, back to our full capacity. Um, we hope that it's going to create really fertile soils, give it another layer of really fertile goodness that is going to hopefully come through in our cocoa. Mm um but yeah that was a little bit of a little bit of a setback but no definitely we move what is the risk with climate change and cocoa like what would be really really bad for the cocoa like what conditions wouldn't work mm. and what's the risk that the climate change is going to have in the future interesting right um cocoa needs a lot of sun right it needs decent amount decent amount of rainfall and it also needs like a decent amount of shade when it's in its early years um so i just think it, it needs consistency and it it doesn't want the extreme right and i think potentially what might be happening more so with climate change is those extremes are um are happening i.e dry season is really really long there's not enough moisture for the trees they can't yield cocoa likewise when it's really really wet the trees aren't getting enough kind of sunlight to be able to to grow those pods because it's for one tree <clears throat> it will probably produce around 50 to 60 pods you know per year and those pods are, are big and it probably takes about a couple of months for those pods to really grow into pods that can be yielding um and so there's a lot of energy that's needed. Um, we have had to use a lot more organic fertilizer, um, especially farms that are closer to sea because it's a lot more dry. Um, so we're just having to just be very, you know, well, closely monitor everything um, a lot more um, in more recent times. Oh, it's scary though, isn't it? It's one of those things that you've got to, yeah, you've got to just be really, really aware of it. There's not a lot you can do in terms of obviously stopping it it's just trying to kind of work mm. with it i guess yeah well i think you know that there are specific cocoa diseases right that come from well a lot from weather conditions you got two that are well that we do have in some of our farms which is um black pod which is from too much rain um that will basically make the pod black so you won't be able to harvest it basically kill the pod and then you've got witch's broom which basically um is on the branches and basically affects the yields of the pods as well so all of these all, all of the different tweaks in in the climate ha do have an impact but as i said earlier like we haven't been doing it long enough to really know but if anyone is going to know it's going to be us because we're actually on the ground so yeah. the chocolatiers i guess that aren't on the ground they're gonna get it in the second wave true yeah. true i guess hearing all these different factors to consider again highlights maybe why the bigger companies aren't doing it because it's so challenging mm. to an extent to keep all of this consistent 
um i mean they should be doing it because they're probably bigger and have all the capacity to do it but it makes sense that maybe they're not if it's so well, challenging yeah. i think if you want to go and start a cocoa farm in, in a um in a place that has never grown cocoa before and to build a team then i, I wish you good luck it's it's really really hard <laughs> doesn't um, sound easy you know it has taken us you know i think dad would admit probably taken us 10 years to get to a point where we feel comfortable right where you're not thinking shit what can what's gonna go wrong yeah this and that so um and most people don't have that time or no. that passion and that's 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 just the way it is yeah i can tell it definitely comes from a place of passion and you've just got to have that mm. otherwise yeah so i kind of want to touch on sustainability obviously your whole supply chain kind of shouts sustainability because you've got eyes on every single part of it mm. but what other things do you guys do as a company which you might have not touched on already to kind of push down the sustainability route um so starting with the, the plant um all cocoa needs about 50 percent shade in those early years um we'll plant it with mahogany um we'll plant the at the farm with mahogany banana citrus fruit so we'll create a, like a real agroforestry model right it's not just cocoa we want um the farm to be diverse and we want to be able to well whilst we wait for the cocoa to, to start yielding a decent amount of, of cocoa which is you know anywhere between three to seven years we need to have an added source of income and if you're a farmer that's really really crucial as well so you've got bananas coming off you've got you can sell some star fruit you can sell some mangoes in 40 years if you wanted to you could cut down a, a, a timber tree and to to sell that tree and then plant a new one so it's we're working on the regenerative you know farming principles and you know we can do that because we're there as i've said mm. um we invest in local schools that are in the nearby area um in dixon where our kind of processing facility is where we do the fermentation and and drying we have basically gone in there and done um we've done their library so wow we're not we're not just like paying an accreditation scheme and that's it like that's not good enough for us we actually go in there and we do the work we're not doing lip service we go in and actually do it ourselves because we we want to be in control so we know that it actually has been done mm. um all the roads to our farms you know normally they're just um well before we've taken it over it would just be a mud track we would have done all those roads which is fantastic for the locals um yeah. people that have been you know well slipping over all their lives now have a nice road um we are the largest agricultural employer on the island um we didn't have to be we could have just you know got a few farmers bought some cocoa off them but you know it doesn't go as we don't see the difference really we want to employ people so we pay the national insurance we pay them a really decent wage we give them opportunities to grow within the business you know mm -hmm. everyone wants that you want to be able to see the growth right you know you with this podcast you want to you know i'm sure you've set a really high bar with it it's the same with with our team in in saint vincent yeah um so yeah i mean there's lots of other angles i mean um admittedly we could probably do more here in the uk but we're just investing so much in, in saint vincent which is where 
where the real difference is definitely is being seen definitely um, it sounds like you've got two businesses on the go you kind of got yeah this and then st vincent it's pretty mm. impressive i think mm. you don't there's a lot that goes on behind closed doors i think yeah. it's amazing what you guys are doing mm. and you're right i think yes you could do more here but a lot of brands uk brands will probably do things in the uk you guys have got that point of difference where you've got the base at st vincent's and you can make mm. so much change and such positivity there that it makes a lot more sense to do so yeah I, um, I think often with us we we go down the route that not many people have have chosen because it may not be the right thing but we think it is the right thing because you know we're, i guess we're not we're not treading a path that many have shot on mm, definitely if that, if that makes any sense definitely definitely <laughs> i think it's great and i think that's what makes you guys stand out and that's mm. what makes Ireland so special so I think um no I completely get that mm. so I now want to touch on our final question which again is a bit of a tradition on the podcast to link it all back to food again I want to ask you what your last meal would be mm. it's a really on the spot question I know but starter main course and dessert okay so you've got three yeah okay can I start with the the main meal yeah which would be a really good juicy burger and chips nice anywhere in farm in particular i did have one on delivery the other day i think it was black bear burger or something it was Mm. it was unbelievable it's it's a special treat though yeah yeah you can't have it all the time although it is really hard when you go to a restaurant not to order the burger my brother has this off yeah. this problem every time he sees yeah. a burger on the menu he gets it and i was like you might need to expand <laughs> your palate at the moment because it's getting pro- very burger heavy yeah. the problem is i get food envy right if we were to go yeah. out for dinner and you were to order a burger i would choose the burger i'd let you choose first because yeah. otherwise i'd i'd get yeah um pudding it's going to be boring but it'd be one of rebecca our development chefs like island's chocolate taught she does with maybe some some lovely sorbet heaven Um, yeah that would be that would be the dream and then because basically it's my last meal it it? is you can go all out i'd have a full english for a starter wow (laughs) that is a great one i've not had this before amazing um so yeah i just i'd have it all yeah Um, i love that i mean you can have it all because you have normal bacon i'd have vegan bacon i'd have it a hash browns baked beans eggs and spinach the whole lot the whole lot i love it yeah amazing well will thank you so much for coming on and sharing the secrets of islands i think it's so cool and i don't think enough people know about what goes on behind closed doors in the chocolate world like we Mm -hmm. all love chocolate i'm a massive chocolate lover but you just don't get to see what goes on Mm -hmm. so um yeah what you guys are doing is really really cool Cool. so thank you so much thanks for having me on good to chat Hey guys, thank you so much for listening and I really hope you enjoyed this episode and learning more about what goes on behind the scenes of the chocolate industry and more about Islands itself. If you're really fancying some chocolate or want to try Islands, I do know that their hot chocolate is sold in Gales. So get over to Gales, get a hot chocolate and see what you think. Thanks again and see you next week. (laughs) 